listening to the Arise Church podcast. We are an Acts 29 church in Ventura, California, where we exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage culture. Find out more info or hear more sermons at our website, ariseventura.com. Thanks for listening. That what I would do is I would just talk about 1996, I was a freshman going into high school, and uh, in my mind, I was too cool for school, you know, I got there, and I just, uh, I had not gone to the Linwood Unified School District, I had been going to all these other schools all over the place, I had been in school in Watts, I had been in school in Paramount, been in school in Long Beach, been in school in Compton, and now here I am, I'm going to the high school where all of my neighbors and whatnot, for the most part, except for one, (laughs) Uh, was was going to that school. Well, I bring up that one because it would be before November of that year that I was already fed up with all, all my options. And so I just went to my neighbor, the girl across the street that never been kissed and was homeschooled. Her dad was a pastor. And I said, will you go with me? <laughs> it worked out well. I don't suggest that for any of y'all 14-year-olds in here, all right? Uh, but it worked out good for me. I said, will you go with me? guys remember that language? Will you go with me? What are we talking about? Well, for the most part, we're asking for a person's hand of devotion. We're asking for a person to live with us. That's why a 14-year-old don't got no business saying that, (laughs) right? Uh, But at the end of the day, that is exactly what I did as a freshman in high school. And again, by God's grace, which is some of the story of some of you as well. Uh, we, Jamie and I, you know, she went with me, all right? Um, and in going with a person or with her saying, yes, I will go with him, you know what that, real, that, what that really means? It's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to embrace the things that you're about. I'm going to embrace your, you know, like things about you that may be even different uh, than the things that are about me, right? You just kind of become... Uh, joined in, in your interest. You become joined in liking, or you, you, it doesn't work out because it's like, yeah, we are polar opposites, right? Well, in our text today, I think what we learned is, is, is something of this nature. To embrace the truth about Christ's death is to come alive and to live with him, to embrace his way, to embrace the things that he uh, Uh, loves and even to begin to pull away from the things that he does not. We always say that the Bible knows nothing of a person who could uh, come to or say they're going to or basically come to some understanding of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and then have a profession of being transformed by that, which we use a lot of the word transformation. But at the end of the day, what Jesus said is that that person is born again by the Spirit, right? That person comes alive. You are spiritually dead, and when the gospel comes and it pierces your heart, you are born again. It's impossible. The Bible doesn't know about a person who doesn't have that experience, but then goes on and is able to say like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm in him. On the flip side, the Bible doesn't know anything of a person who does have that experience, to be born again, to be transformed, or to come to understand the resurrection that doesn't have a new life themselves, isn't raised to new life themselves. It goes in tandem. 
Today we're just going to look at two quick verses. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at what life in Christ is and what it consists of. It really could be said that these two verses, I say stuff like this to you guys all the time, but I promise it's true. <laughs> these two verses could sum up the point of the book of Colossians that it's all about Jesus. Colossians verse, or chapter 2 is where we find ourselves, and we're just going to go through verses 6 and 7. If you read with me, Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. Walk in him, just like you received him. Just like you were taught, rooted, built up, established want to take some time and not skip over those. Take some time to understand what's being said here because this is really a summary for our new life in Christ. In fact, in your Bibles, it probably says something like alive in Christ, right? All of a sudden, it's like it has transitioned, and now you need to know like you got a new life. You're no longer dead. Our passage is going to teach us that life in Christ is characterized by three things. Godly living growing spiritually, and great gratitude. Godly living, growing spiritually, and great gratitude. For the most part, it's godly living. But growing spiritually is a part of that. And great gratitude, I would say, is, is the bookend. It's on the front and the back end. It's the byproduct. It's also uh, the, the, the impetus. And so we're going to explore that. Here's where I get that from. It's a very simple outline. I actually want this to be a simple message. I, I don't want to color it too much. I just want us to see these two verses and to take them to heart and to understand, okay, so then what does that mean for my life, who I am, where I am, and where I'm going? Even in light of things that may be troubling me and suffering that I'm having. I think it doesn't go without saying that this is in the context still with Paul saying that he struggles and he toils and he agonizes on behalf of the church. He's, he's talking about his purposes, his ministry, and his goals for the Colossians, the Laodiceans, and for the whole church, even though those who he's never met. And so when we turn to verse uh, 6, and it says, Therefore... As you received Christ Jesus, the Lord. I want you to understand that this is very much like Paul. To take a, a sharp turn after he's been talking about maybe theology or something that has to do with your identity. Something that has to do with who you are. And he's talking about the gospel. And he turns really quickly and he does that with that word that we translate as therefore. Here's a tip that was given to me. It has been absolutely helpful in my understanding of Scripture, and it has been like literally, I don't think I've learned anything that is as true as this, and it is this helpful to me as I've grown as a Christian. When you come across that in the New Testament, that therefore, figure out what the therefore is there for, is what somebody said to me. Therefore. Whenever you see therefore, he's referring back to things that he has said, and he's like, hey, all this identity stuff, all this gospel here, all of these what some would call indicatives, things that indicate who you are, what your standards are, these things, they mean something about how you ought to live. 
They mean something about what has happened to you and uh, what the process you've entered is. He says, therefore, he has said, I am praying for your encouragement. I am toiling and struggling to present everyone mature in Christ. I am working really hard. I'm leaving it all on the field because I want to see everybody grow up in the faith. Therefore, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, he goes and he talks about not just, uh, therefore, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, he goes and he literally says, therefore, as you've understood that gospel and you are going to, you're, you're being conformed into the image of Christ, I want you to be reminded that everything about you has to do with your new life hidden in his. I text a buddy of mine and just say, hey, man, I was just calling you to see if you wanted to go hang out tomorrow, you know, go get some food or whatever. I mean, tomorrow's your birthday. And he's like, oh, why would you do that? So I thank, I'm thankful for your life hidden in Christ. That's the only reason why. <laughs> no. <laughs> because I'm thankful for your life that's hidden in Christ. I'm so glad that you were born, but God bless the world that you've been born again. He's led people to Christ and he leads a godly life. I'm thankful for that. And so the thing is, is that the reminder that we always need to have is to go back to the fact that we've received the Lord. At the surface, that makes total sense, and I think that that is absolutely right, but I also want to keep it in the proper context. What Paul's really talking about when he says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, what he's really talking about is as you received the understanding about him, the knowledge about him, the, the recognition of what I just talked about when I said he's supreme and preeminent above all things and he is the creator and everything is for him. It's created by him and through him, et cetera, et cetera. He's not just talking about receiving the Lord like Nicodemus that night when Jesus told him, you must be born again. He's not just talking about receiving the Lord like a person does when they first understand the gospel. The scales come off and they are uh, those who come alive, but he's actually saying, as you've received from Epaphras, from myself and from other leaders in the church, the doctrine and the theology, those big words that sometimes we want to uh, skate against, he actually says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, as you've received the information about him, and as you've received the understanding of who he is, and really quickly, I, th I thought about parking for a while on just who did we receive. We received Christ. That's our word for understanding Messiah. That weighs a lot. That's not just his last name. The Savior of the world. He said you received him. You received everything you need to understand who he is. As you received Christ, the Messiah, the one who uh, the, it was prophesied about him by angels that you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, which is where we get that idea of Christ. 
We receive Christ Jesus. Jesus was not just a prophet. He was not just a teacher. He was not just another good man. He's not just a person that we follow because we feel like it. He literally is the Christ. And what does it mean to be the Christ other than that there is a problem that you and I have been separated from God. We don't have a right relationship with him ever since the fall of man into sin. But we still possess so much of uh, that dignity that God gave us. He created us in the image and in the likeness of him, and, and like we're supposed to be the crown of creation, but we've fallen from sin, or fallen in sin, and fallen from fellowship with him. So God sent a Christ. The name Jesus is actually a, a New Testament way to describe or, or to restate Yeshua, and Yeshua would be a, 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 a derivative of Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. It's all in his name. That's why you can go around talking about God all the time. You start talking about Jesus Christ, man. They'll cut you off because they understand there's power in his name. There's no other name under heaven and on earth by which men can be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And then he goes and he calls him Lord. Did you see that? As you've received Jesus Christ or as you've received Christ, the Lord. Christ Jesus the Lord. What does that mean? Well, don't, don't mistake me as trying to get you right now in a moment to make him Lord. No, he already is. Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's the one who is the sovereign. He's not just sovereign. He is the sovereign. He sits on top of the, the earth. I mean, his feet do. On top of all the universe. All the universe. He, he reigns over it all. He is the Lord. God made him that, that, that and, it, and it came through the cross. So he says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, I want you to walk in him. This is why I say let's pause and just go a little bit slower. Some people would take this as a moment just to really talk a lot about lordship the lordship of Jesus and the fact that he has, he controls all things and he governs everything and he has all kinds of authority. Like all that stuff is really true. And you know what? I don't want to put it on you like a burden. I don't got nothing heavy for you. There's freedom though. He's the Lord. And we get to have a relationship with him, a sweet fellowship with him. There's there's nothing that should be burdensome about being God's children about having received information that changes me and brings me to a point where I have new life about Christ Jesus the Lord. But there is a whole lot of invitation. Here's what we're invited to do. We are invited to godly living, growing spiritually, and great gratitude. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You know, walk is written in this present tense, which has to do with something that you're not just doing it once, but it is carrying on. Now it might make a little more sense to you when I said uh, that in 1996, I said to Jamie, will you go with me? If we translated this literally, the will you go with me makes total sense because really what's being said is there's this ongoing process that we're invited into and you could actually translate this to just say that as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, go on with him. Go with him. 
as you received him at one time, as you received him previously, past tense, I want you to now present tense, walk in or go with him. Walking is not impressive usually. It's not quick. It's not like running. You guys know that I talked about, like, the fact that I just got to get on my fitness goals, and I've been doing these, this, this treadmill stuff, and, like, honestly, for the most part, I'm, like, walking briskly. It's not impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the other day this guy got on, man, and, and like, he just ran right back past me. I mean, we were, we're in the same place, right? But it was like, hey, I'm, like, at a mile and a half. I've been on this thing for about 20 minutes. You guys understand the math behind that, right? Five minutes later, this dude was getting ready for his second mile, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to get it together. Walking's not impressive. It's, it's a process. It's step by step by step, and that's what we're called to do. I'm not asking you. We're not looking for base or, or, or home runs, right, in the, in, in the life. It literally is a step-by-step process. The base hits are what turn into the wins. I don't know how I just did the walking and the sport, but hopefully you caught me, all right? If we were to fly somewhere, sometimes you kind of wish, man, if I just received Christ Jesus the Lord and then been raptured up to heaven at that moment, how much better things would be. But no, he left you here as an ambassador of the kingdom of God to grow in your likeness of him and to live with him in a way that reflects that he has transformed and changed your life. And so walk in him. Take steps. Here's the deal. When you walk, you walk in a deliberate direction, and eventually you get there. It will be better for my heart and for my ego when I can get to that five-mile mark as fast as the man on the treadmill next to me. But at the end of the day, if that's where we both going, if I don't stop, then we both get there, true or not true. That's what we're called to do. Progress in your faith. Walk with him. Don't pull back. Daily, steady, step by step. It's an effort that we put up that just says, I'm progressing toward a goal. I'm going somewhere. We walk with him. We go with him. But in going with him, verse number seven turns around and it says, you know, that's not all, right? Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Then he just says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Verse 7 is Paul using four verbs, basically, to elaborate on what it means to walk. What does it mean to walk with Christ? This is what it looks like. He says to be rooted and to be built up, to be established in the faith and abounding in thanksgiving. The first verb is a past action, something that has happened, and it is true, and it's true as all true can be, because it has continuing results, which are the next three verbs. You were rooted in him, but you're being built up in him. You were rooted in him and are still rooted in him, that's past tense, but now built up in him, established in the faith, abounding. Those are all forward progress. Now you're back to present and future tense. You're not just talking about what has happened in the past. You're talking about that daily progress. Here's the thing. If you can come to a place where you feel like and you understand we're all people in process, man, the chains will fall off, 
the freedom that you've been given, you will enjoy it, and you won't be so high strung. I remember, I've been thinking about my testimony a lot these days. Um, had an opportunity to share the gospel with someone recently here in the community and then with the kids out at the, um, uh, the youth camp I was at. And I just remember, man, those first years, I didn't want to touch sin with a 10-foot pole. And now I get it. I heard a pastor say one time to a young guy who was like, hey, you know, uh, pastor, what can I do to just live more godly and blah, blah, blah. And a pastor who had been walking with him for like 30 years said, you know what, you're more godly than I am right now. I've been walking with the Lord for 30, day, 30 years, and you've been walking with him for 30 days or whatever it is. You're more godly than I am right now. He said, but I'm more loved by him today. I wanted that. When you first come to faith, like I, I don't want to do the things that I used to do. I've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. I've been delivered from the threefold enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil, and even sin in me. Like God has given me a new life. I don't want to go back there. Totally makes sense. But this stuff is not meant to put like this burden on you that causes you to feel like somebody's trying to enslave you to religion. At least we forget Paul's writing to the Colossians to say, hey, don't listen to these guys who are trying to tell you that you need to add to your faith. Jesus plus nothing equals nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing because Christ is all. Jesus is, it's all about him, right? So he's not trying to give them religion. I've said a lot about these in terms of what they are, but let's look briefly at each of them in our final moments. So the first one is past. And then you've got three that are kind of like it's right now, and, and, and it's, you know, God's working these things in us, but it's, it's, it's going to keep on going. And then finally, you have something that points to our responsibility. First one is rooted in him. This picture's a tree that's firmly rooted. What do you know about a tree that doesn't have good roots? When the, the storm comes and the winds blow, it blows over and it great is its d- demise every time, every single time. You see it all the time. It's like it might be a big, beautiful tree out in front of somebody's place. And it's like, man, there was a windstorm that came out, out through here last night. Like it didn't even wake me up until that tree fell. It's not deeply rooted. Got weak roots. Maybe it wasn't getting fed. Maybe there's not enough water. Maybe at one time it did have good roots. But then something happened to where it started to weaken what was happening underneath the surface, invisibly, not what was visible for everybody to see. He reminds us that we are rooted, and because we're rooted, that's why we can withstand the storms in life. That's why we can grow, and that's how we'll be healthy. It reminded me of Psalm chapter 1. Some of you probably already know this by heart. Let me read it to us. Psalm chapter 1, the first few verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on on his law he meditates day and night. That person, that person is blessed, he says. Well, look at verse 3. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its due season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. 
He goes and he says that the wicked are not like that. They blow away like chaff. There's a tree that is planted right by the river, right by where the water source is. Don't have to wait for anybody else to give it its nutrients because it's been rooted well. Man, that tree, stable and sound. We have, a, we have trees like that in our community. Y'all know. Jamie and I were driving up the avenue the other day. We we're up at the top by the, uh, the Buenaventura uh, Academy, and there's humongous oak trees. You just look at the roots that are out above the ground. It's just like, man, that's amazing. If you ever go up to two trees, if you look at some of the oak trees around here, you look at the fig tree at Plaza Park from the 1800s, 70 feet in the air, 163-foot branches, twice as gigantic and enormous and marvelous underground where nobody sees you. Some of us may go to church and act like Christians. Some of us carry a big and a beautiful Bible. Some of us Pastors, leaders, we just experienced this in our family of churches. Some of us, as leaders, portray ourselves to be something that is altogether not our testimony, at least not the way in which we are carrying ourselves with repentance. And it's because of what's happening underneath the surface, y'all. It's the hidden person of the heart. It's the, the, the seat of the emotions. It's the motivations. You know how you get down to that? The word. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides down to the thoughts and intentions of your heart, is what the Bible says. The Bible parses out thoughts about our thoughts, motivate, like helps us to understand, why do I think that way? Why am I going after that? Oh, wow, I didn't even know I still felt that way. If we go to the Word because we're rooted, then we get fed and we get stronger. But if we don't, man, storms come, get blown away. Paul is not talking to them the way I'm talking to us. I'm just being real here. Paul's saying to them, Therefore, as you've received Christ, and I'll turn it back and say, hey, therefore, as you've received Christ, those of us who have received Christ, Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, you're rooted in him. You've been rooted in him. Be confident, even in like the invitation you have to go and do what we may call devotions in the morning. Open up the Bible first thing in the morning. Read the scriptures. Pray. Teach the Bible to your kids. I mean, fellowship and gather with the saints whenever you can because it's the root system. It's the root system that really determines the health and the longevity of the tree. He goes from talking about roots to going and saying, built up in him. Now we're talking about building. And the building is not uh, complete. The way the language is, it has to do with under construction. So you're rooted, not in yourself, but in Christ Jesus the Lord. You're built up, not because you're so good and you have your own agenda, your own abilities, all these great gifts and things like that. You're good with your time, talent, and treasure. It's not, no, it's about being built up in him. That even when we steward those things, right, it's in him. And we're being built up by him. 
You think about what the construction looks like when you go out of here. They're, con- they're, they're building some apartments down by the 101 that are going to be called Coastline. And as you look across, you'll see the 101 freeway, and it's just nothing but the, the, the highway, and they're going to sell them, you know, real high and things like that. But, like, sometimes you go by, and it just feels like, man, did they even do anything in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> right? I remember when the framing started going up, it's like, oh, man, that's clear. Like, it's going down. So in our lives, being built up in him looks like that, too. The Spirit of God is doing things in our lives and building us up in him. It's not always just like this quick, fast, and in a hurry thing. It's a process, but it's happening. Remember that. Recall that. Think on that. Participate in that. This one has to do with something that we participate in because we're not just being built up by God, by the Spirit in Christ, but we're, we're, we're partnering together with the Spirit in our daily lives to be built up. We've got to learn how to trust and obey in our daily matters as if we were on a construction site and, uh, you know, today all they're doing is going around and putting in the electrical. How important is that? If it's going to be 150 units or whatever it is, how many electrical boxes and outlets and things do you have? But it's like one by one, and you got to be faithful. Can you imagine if there's just one wire that doesn't get connected, but then all the stucco went up, and it's great, granite counters, and you got big windows and balconies and all that stuff, and it's like this wire didn't get connected. What does that mean, right? It's the daily, the process, being built up. We have to partner with God, the Spirit, to, to, to see ourselves even be built up like that. And again, that happens by going to the Word, by fellowshipping, by being kind to other people, by listening uh, to ways that you can care for others, by praying for others. I mean, the one another's is really where this stuff comes alive. It's not just me sitting up in my, you know, my room reading my Bible. It's like me doing life with other people that are in Christ as well. That's how we can be gradually built up in him. Then what does he say? He says that you are uh, established in the faith. So part of our, our, our growing is that we will be established in the faith. And the establishment just means that there's like a concrete, decisive, guaranteed, irrevocable thing. Like, it's not something that you should be feeling like, am I in or am I not in? In fact, the reality is is when he said establishing the faith, it's not to be interpreted or or, uh, to be translated as in your faith. It's not about you. It's about the Christian faith. You've been established in the faith. If you believe all that stuff I've just said is essentially me speaking for Paul, right? If you believe the gospel, if you believe the goodness of God, if you have been transferred, then now established in the faith describes your new life in Christ. Sure. Certain. This week I left the office and... um, I was going to go get some food for the family. Jamie asked me to go get some food. Actually, I wasn't. I was going to go home and cook. And she said, how about just pick something up? Okay, fine. 
I don't know where to go. Oh, yeah, there's a Lalo's. So I go to Lalo's Tacos over on Thompson. And I go in, and, you know, I'm getting ready to order food. And as soon as I walk in the door, there's, like, so much loud commotion. I didn't understand what I was hearing at the time. And I went over to the desk, and when I stood at the desk, the lady couldn't. And we, Sean and I know these, these folks. We go in there all the time, right? Sean's better than me. He get one fish taco. That's what he eats for lunch every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> we go in here. We know these folks. And, and so she's like, hey, how you doing? But she's like looking away from me. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So then I look over and I see what's, what's really happening. The commotion was a guy who was just railing this teenage girl. He was an older man in his 50s and he was just going off on her. And he was saying, you can't be walking with Jehovah. You don't know Jehovah. You've got restrictions and you're not keeping to the restrictions. And, and he's just going through all these things and she's just like shaking in her boots. What I started to realize is that she wasn't even his daughter. He had a son who she wanted or his son was interested in her. And so, like, he was going off on this girl saying, you guys can't date because you don't know Jehovah's way. If you knew Jehovah's way, you would have my mind because I'm spiritual and you're not like me. And I mean, and this is loud in the lalos and everybody's watching. She can't even take my order because she's so, like, trying to figure out what's going on over at this table. And so I ordered the tacos, and you guys know the size of my family, so I was there for a while. (laughs) And I sat down. And by the time the food came out, I had already texted Jamie and told her what was going on. And I'm like, man, I feel like I should say something. She was like, you're going to have to. I'm like, I can't, I can't. Then I called her on the phone, and I'm like, babe, I really can't. And I don't want to say nothing. And she's like, you're going to have to. I'm like, I can't, I can't. And uh, you guys, I got in, I walked out the door, and I walked around the corner to where my car was parked, got in the car, put the food in, started the car, and then was like, dang it, I can't. I'll tell you guys all about the story later, but I went back inside. <laughs> I went back inside, and what I essentially said to him was, I walk with Jehovah. You were talking about him. You're misrepresenting him, though. She can be established in the faith. The law of Christ is love. There's freedom for everybody. Now I'm talking like this to the whole restaurant, and I'm sharing the gospel with everybody there, and I'm saying there's no way in the world you should leave the false teaching that you're believing. I don't know what it is, but I could just tell it was so off. It was all about legalities and moralism and blah, blah, And I just said, that was it. I'm, I'm done. And I walked out. And I was shaking. And I was like, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, all right, there we go. <laughs> The reality is, man, we want to see people established in the faith, and it's not going to come because we start jamming a whole bunch of rules down their life is that they remember the gospel of Jesus Christ. The last one is that you would be, what he says there, as abounding in faith or abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. There's this picture that is basically being said now of the overflow. If you're looking in a different translation in your Bible, it probably says overflowing with gratitude. So when I say godly living, and when I say growing spiritually and great gratitude, I'm talking about great gratitude, overflowing with thankfulness, even though you're struggling and toiling and suffering for whatever reason, when you think about the gospel, in fact, when I told you at the beginning that the one produces the other, I really believe in trying to study this out, that if it is true that the gospel frees us, then me understanding that gives me a great gratitude and it leads me to walk in him. 
It's because I can see all these promises that God has given. I can see all this freedom that I have not earned for myself but been granted it by grace in Jesus Christ. And so now, man, I'm abounding with thankfulness. I'm overflowing with it. It's, my cup is running over. There's just so much. I just, I just am, thank you, Jesus, right? No matter what's going on in my life in terms of circumstances, these things, they don't compare to the grace that God has given me. And I didn't even want it. When you can understand the grace of God like that, I mean, man, you just overflow. Paul repeatedly, repeatedly, over and over, emphasizes thankfulness. We saw it earlier in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. He said, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Why? Because you've been delivered. You've been transferred been given redemption. This is an application for me when I think about the way in which I grumble and complain all the time. If I'm abounding with thankfulness, I won't be so bent out of shape when things don't go my way, when my comforts get upset. I'm pretty impatient. I know for a fact that the Holy Spirit works in me because one of the, the gifts of the Spirit is patience. And so whenever I'm being patient, like, man, that was a miracle. <laughs> it's just true, right? <laughs> in my marriage especially, I'm so thankful for Jamie. I delight in her, and she puts up with me. <laughs> I'm so grateful for my children, so grateful, even as I stand here and thank you all from the bottom of my heart, so thankful for our church, and just grateful to even know as we talk about things that pertain to maybe some kind of uh, a gift toward just singularly our family to be enjoyed, or over against even the fact that we will move together as a church. I'm just grateful to have people who are like, yeah, I'm here, like Sean told me when I first told him about that. Yeah, I'm here because we ride or die for Jesus. The minute that we're not doing that, I'm, I just won't be there. Right? It's about being grateful for the gospel. By God's grace, Jamie and I have been together about since that time. She didn't go with me right away. She actually said, you got to get taller. I grew that year, though. It was crazy. All right? <laughs> But here's the thing, we've been together since that time is what I, that's my story, I'm sticking to it. (laughs) And um, you know how we got to this place? The grace of God, absolutely. And because of the grace of God at work in us, right, she's gone with me to where we are today. Go on with Christ. Walk with Christ. Live a new life in him. As a pastor, as one of your pastors here, as one of the leaders in our church, as your fellow brother in the faith, this is something that I struggle and I toil and I pray for you. I want this for, more, I want this for you more than anything else. I want this for you more than anything else. This is actually one of the five things worth fighting for. We said last week, that you should be daringly unashamed. You should fight to defer to unity, right? One of the things that's worth fighting for is to grow in durable understanding and to be disciplined and unstained. And I said, maybe we'll get to deep, unwavering faith. 
this week. This is what we just described. Rooted, built up, established in the faith. That's deep, unwavering faith. That is what we have because of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's any call that I would have today, it was as we go to the communion table, come with overflowing hearts of gratitude for the gospel or, as I have done many times in our gatherings, don't come today. If your heart is not at the place where you are so thankful for Jesus Christ and his broken body and his shed blood, like let it pass you today. If you've not taken communion or if you've been doing what Paul said is called taking communion in an unworthy manner, meaning you're just doing it out of the motions and because of religion, but you don't really have uh, a time where you can say, I've received Christ. I would tell you, let it pass you. But no, I'm going to tell you, come and talk to me. I'm going to come right down here. Come and talk to me because you know what? It's prepared for you today, the broken body and the poured out blood. All you've got to do is receive him by faith. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much.